And Linda, we will have a, a flyer this Sunday about the baptism picnic. And what people were asking what to bring, I didn't know what to tell them. So we'll have a flyer in there for this Sunday. Great. So Romans chapter eight. And tonight we're going to pick up in verse five, look a little bit as in review in verse four, and move forward. And let's pray once again. Lord, speak to us tonight, abundantly, powerfully, wonderfully, from your word we ask, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Remember that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit came in to your life. He now is living in you. Your heart was circumcised. All the old things were passed away. And all things became new in your heart. Now, there are some who try to use that verse out of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, to try to say all things have become new, referring to, um, in other words, I get born again and I look over and and uh, that scar I had gotten in the motorcycle wreck was gone and, and uh, the tattoo of Lady Godiva on my shoulder is gone and, uh, and uh, everything is brand new. I, I'm off the drugs, I'm off of alcohol and, and uh, I was divorced but I'm remarried now and everything's, you know, I'm afraid not we still very much have to pay the pangs of our bad choices. However, Psalms 103 tells us that when God comes into our life, that he renews our life like the eagles. And so God in his grace, what he says is this, there was 10 years of your life that I wanted you to experience things, but you weren't walking with me in that 10 years of your life. And there was, let's say, 500 things you missed out on. Now, God could just say, tough. That's the way life goes. You shouldn't have been making bad choices and not following me. But in essence, what God does is says, well, um, I didn't want you to miss out on those. So for over the next few years, I'm going to add those blessings back into your life. God in his grace continues to renew our lives. However, there are some things that time cannot change and our bad choices have hindered. And although God can add those blessings back into our life, nevertheless, um, we still have to see the fact, okay. Okay. Anybody have a phone? Shut it off. One, one will take you outside with the rubber hose if it goes off again. <laughs> Trying to be funny about it, but Satan is using you. <laughs> Years ago, we had a, a brand new usher, and and uh, 
there was a lady and her baby was crying and he said, take the baby out. And she, no, 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 it'll be better, it'll be better. And take the baby out, no, it'll be better. And finally he just says, lady, Satan is using your baby. <laughs> and she just screamed in the middle of the church, Satan is not using my baby! <laughs> so, Satan is using your cell phone. Now, back to where we were. <laughs> so, again, we need to understand that we have been born again. All things have become new, but not in our bodies, not in our minds, not in our habits. Not in the type of choices we are used to making. All of a sudden, we're going to start making all the right choices. That is not true. I wish, as soon as I said, Lord Jesus, come into my life, immediately, bing, I just have the whole Bible memorized. That's not the way it is. You know the amount of Bible you've read. You have memorized the amount of verses that are memorized and hidden in your heart. As many prayers as you have prayed, according to God's will, is how many prayers you have answered. James tells a frustrated church, you didn't receive answers to prayer because you didn't pray. <laughs> and so we need to come to understand that we are born again, and now God is working His law in our lives by the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He said that same phrase at the end of verse 1, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. He qualifies and explains it in verse 9, but you who are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. So he's not here saying, if you're a good Christian or a bad Christian, he's just saying, if you're born again. If you are a born-again believer, God's Spirit is in you, and you are not walking according to the flesh. You may struggle with the flesh, but you are not walking in the flesh. You may for a time be tripped up, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months. You're struggling with the flesh, but if you are a born-again believer, you are not walking in the flesh. You are walking in the Spirit. When we become born again, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5-10, through 10, it makes it clear, you cannot continue a life of sin. If you're born again and you begin to take choices of sin, your spirit is grieved. God who lives in you, that spirit is grieved. All of a sudden, the blessings that you're used to receiving because you're prospering and all the things you're doing because you're meditating in God's Word day and night and because you're praying without ceasing and because you have that flow of walking in the Spirit all of those blessings begin to stop and you sense that you're in your own strength, in your own efforts, and things aren't flowing, things aren't coming together the way, you, the, the way you're used to them coming together. And immediately as believers, we stop and we say, Lord, I can't live without your blessing. Lord, I can't live without your strength. Lord, I can't live as I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you have felt that before. Uh, for me, it feels like somebody's hit me right in the chest, and it's like my whole chest is bruised. 
but yet it's not my body, it's my spirit. Just grieved that I would have said that or would have done that, or I'm so grieved that I had made those choices. I knew they were wrong, but I, my flesh got the better of me, and I'm just, oh, I just, I'm so grieved over it. Now, there are times that I sin, and I know that it's sin, but yet my flesh is just screaming too loudly, and my flesh is getting its way. If your flesh starts getting its way, it's going to continue to want to get its way. And that still, quiet voice of the Lord seems to get quieter and quieter and quieter. Now, when that happens, that scares me to death. When I'm sinning, and I'm out and out sinning, and I don't feel convicted at that moment. I don't feel like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I've done that, and oh Lord, I, oh, I'm so sorry, I feel this grieving. I know that I am a lot farther down that road than I would like to believe I am. There's people who have been making continuous fleshly choices and they've been making them over a period of months and they think they've been making over a period of days. They've been taking these little tiny baby steps off the narrow road and in reality they're miles and miles away. But they think that they're very close to where they ought to be. So if you are a born-again believer, God's Holy Spirit lives in you, and he is fulfilling his righteousness in you. Jesus says, out of the heart comes everything. The adultery, it comes out of the heart. The fornication, it comes out of the heart. The lying comes out of the heart. The harsh words, the negative words, the criticism, it's all coming out of the heart. Now, if God's caused our hearts to be born again, then blessing should be coming out. Serving the Lord and, and loving the Lord and kindness and gentleness and the fruits of the Spirit, that's what should be coming out of our mouth and out of our life. And if that is not happening, there is something wrong. Now, I'm not saying any of us are living that life perfectly. But if you are walking as a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives in you, it shouldn't have to be years and years and years down the road that you are now walking and talking like Christ. If that is not happening, I'm concerned for you. You've either living such a compromised Christian life or you're truly not born again. Now, we all sin every day. And I could probably list a handful of times this week that I wasn't kind or I wasn't loving or even cursing came to my mind. Okay? I'm not saying that we're out of this body. Quite the opposite. We're very much in this body and this body is completely sold under sin, under bondage, full of sin. And so I can think those, my body can get my mind to think those things. My body can get my my, my, my mind to stir up to want to do those things. But again, being tempted and falling into temptation are two different things. I may have a wicked thought and then Satan may manipulate things in a certain way. And I could make that step in that direction, but I have not taken that step in that direction. Sin is not being tempted. Sin is when you are now following those desires of your flesh. 
So God is fulfilling His righteousness in our lives through His Spirit, and then out of our lives will come the fruit of the Spirit. What happens, though, is we see the manifestation, and we want to deal with that manifestation. And this is where psychology and psychiatry and and all of the self-help books come into play. They're all man outwardly trying to fix man. And it won't work. I think they're sincere, but it will not happen. Because it's from the heart righteousness has to be. And that's where it has to come from. And so let's say you're struggling with lying or struggling with lust or struggling with covetousness. And so you say to yourself, okay, I'm not going to lust anymore. I think I know how to do it. I'm not going to go to the beach this summer. And what I'm going to do, and, and, and so you start setting up these five or ten things and and to help you not to lust. And a week or so goes by, and you feel you're doing better than you normally do. And you probably are. Those things weren't supposed to be in your life to begin with, and you got them out of your life. Good deal. But what you will discover in time is that that still is in you. Now, hopefully, it's in your body and not in your heart. And if those fleshly desires are in your body. Now, you're warring against the body. That's what it says in Galatians 5.17. The, the body is fighting with the spirit. The spirit is fighting at war against the flesh. There is a battle going on. It's not like they're roommates trying to get along and sometimes they squeeze the, to- you know, squeeze the toothpaste in the middle and, and so one's a little upset at the other. It's not the way it is. This is oil and vinegar. These guys hate each other. They can't stand being next to each other. It's a Christian next to a (laughs) non-Christian. It's a believer, your spirit, who lives in you with this completely depraved, sinful flesh. Have you been around a person like that that hates Christians? Have you ever had to work with a sarcastic, difficult person who hates Christians? then you know how miserable it is. In the same way, you are living in that place all the time. Now, as we're going to discover as we're heading into Romans chapter 8, we have to be careful as Christians to make the right choices. We cannot do it in our own strength. It has to be by the power of God's Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, sanctification. That work that God's Holy Spirit is doing in our life, and we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit for that work to be completed. Now, in contrast, between Christians and non-Christians, you can see it from the outside. Because people who aren't born again, like we used to not be born again, they live, in verse 5, according to the flesh. That's what they live. So therefore, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. Now, in the garden, when man was made, he was spirit, soul, and then body. Adam, when he came into this world, he was a spiritual man. He saw things spiritually. 
He walked daily with the Lord, and his soul, which makes up his personality, his will, his emotions, it was all blessed. His heart was full of joy and peace in the Lord. His body was experiencing no worry, no concern, no fear, no anxiety. It was just experiencing the blessedness of it. All creation was blessed when Adam walked by. And occasionally he would reach over and grab a piece of fruit and eat it. But he wasn't thinking, body, body, body. He was naked and didn't even know it. He didn't even pay attention. He was just like a little tiny child. It just He wasn't thinking, body, 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 body. He didn't think about the physical things of this earth. He was walking with the Lord and everything on this earth was just a part of it was a, a stage in which he could fellowship with God. What are those trees doing over there? Oh, they're lifting their hands up, worshiping God. Do you hear those birds singing? All the creations giving glory unto God. Goes down by the, the, the waters, and here's the water splashing up against the rocks. The psalmist tells us that that's the hands of the earth clapping their hands, worshiping the Lord. The stars of the heaven are giving him glory. And so everywhere he went, he just saw all of creation worshiping God and giving glory to God. And, and he also lived a life with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in his heart unto the Lord. That was his life. And in the cool of the evening, the Lord would come and he would fellowship there with the Lord. Now, when he fell, immediately it flip-flopped. The very first thing after he had sinned was, I'm naked, my body. The first thing he does is he immediately grabs the leaves and he begins to make himself a covering because he was ashamed. He didn't have that experience before. And now his soul is being hindered and bruised and scarred because of the flesh life. And his spirit is down there occasionally getting a little piece of fruit. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Now, as born-again believers, I like to picture it like an hourglass, you know? And sort of the soul in the middle there feeding, this, feeding what's down below. And it's sort of like that hourglass. When we got born again, God turned that hourglass back over. And once again, our spirit is on top. And the funnel going down is our soul. And it's blessing our body. It's blessing us as we walk. It's blessing us as we talk. But as believers, even though we're born again, even though we're going to heaven, even though God's Holy Spirit's in our life, it's when we begin to make those choices for the flesh, it's like we're taking that hourglass and we're turning it back over. And what's going to happen? All of a sudden, it's the flesh again. You see people living a life after the flesh who aren't Christians. What do they talk about? Food. They talk about clothes. They talk about the movies. They talk about the movie stars. They talk about, you know, um, all the things of this world. You know, who's dating who and who had sex with who. And, you know, I, I think the perfect symbol of a person living a life after the flesh is so pauperous. And those who watch them are in the flesh. There's no doubt about it. 
All it is is people wanting to know who's plotting to kill who, who's cheating on who, who's deceiving who, who's lying to whom, and violence and immorality and all kinds of sin going on. That is what's going on in the heart of every single person. Why do people like to watch that? They enjoy it because they have the mind on the things of the flesh. If you go to a baseball player, his mind is on baseball. And everything he sees looks like a baseball or a bat or the green. And this is what he's thinking about. That's what's in his heart. A person who's not born again, they cannot think about the things of the Spirit. You take somebody who's not a Christian and you say, let me pray with you. And it's just like, it's just, it's such a different concept. It's the last thing they would have thought about. And even now as you're praying with them, they're like going, this is so foreign. This is so uncomfortable. This is so weird. This is so different. Because their minds aren't on the things are spiritual. Their minds are fleshly. However, if you go up to a group of guys and you say, guys, give me five minutes to let me tell you the Bible passage I read this morning and what God spoke to my heart. I don't know if they would give you five minutes. But if you went up to the same strange group of guys who aren't born again and you said, hey, did you guys see the latest Playboy issue? Let's all pass around and look at it here. I'll tell you, more than five minutes would go by. Their mind is on the things of the flesh. They want to look at flesh, naked flesh. That's what they want to look at because that's where their mind's at. Because that's, what, that's what's in their heart. They, they're mindful of the things of the flesh. And when somebody's mindful of the things of the flesh, that's what they want is more flesh. That's the world we lived in before we were Christians. Money, cars, houses, jobs, people, what's going on with all the latest in, in Hollywood and the latest scandals. And, and this is what we see in people catering to the flesh. Today you see a movement within the church. The seeker-friendly services and, and people trying to appeal to the flesh of man to bring them to church. I will not do it. Because we are going to walk according to the Spirit. And if God draws somebody to church, it's because somebody talked to them and their heart and their mind was on the spiritual things. They wanted to know about spiritual things. And that's why they came. And so we see that those who live according to the flesh, that's where their mind's going to be on the flesh and the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, it's the things of the Spirit. So this again is contrasting a non-believer to a believer. Now what do we call a believer who's thinking and acting like a non-believer? We call them a carnal Christian. The word carnal simply means fleshly or earthly. We are not to be earthly Christians. We are to be heavenly Christians. Jesus in John 17 says, The world loves its own. 
You are no longer of the world as I am not of this world. And as I am not of this world, now you are not of this world. And since you are not of this world, as I am not of this world, the world is going to hate you. He says in Colossians, your citizenship is already in heaven. You're an alien here. You are a pilgrim. You are a stranger. And so as Christians, the world should be strange to us. If it is not strange to us, then you are thinking on the things of this world. And you got to be careful. You find people on occasion asking questions that reveal their hearts. Sometimes I'll get guys coming up and they'll say to me, Brian, now help me out here. I've been dating this girl for a year and, you know, we don't want to sin or anything, but how far can we go before we're married? Now, that question revealed his heart. He's saying, how immoral can I get without really living in sin? That's his question. And it reveals his heart. His mind's not upon the things of the Spirit. If his mind was on the things of the Spirit, he'd be saying, Brian, help me. I want to build everybody up, but especially this one person I think maybe God's brought into my life to marry them. I want to build everybody up in Jesus. How can I live in such a way that causes everybody to be blessed and encouraged and, and want to come to know Christ? How could I build this person up to want her or want him to just want to pray more and to read the Bible more and to want to live for you more, live, live for Jesus more? How can we do this? How can I live? I'm not... You see, that's the struggle that should be going on in his heart. And so I simply will point out, it's like that hourglass. You're right now, maybe sideways, or the pendulum is coming and you're heading that direction and you're saying, hey, I like being here. And I'm saying to you that you are going to damage your soul. Our soul is so tender and it's so important that we don't scar that soul. The soul, the personality, the, the will, the conviction, the ability to have joy and happiness, the ability to just love this life that God's given us all comes from our soul being cleansed, blessing our body and causing the, the blessings to flow. You see people today, and you ask them, hey, would you rather go for a hike up in the mountains or go to an a arcade for an afternoon and play arcade games? Now, do you want to go into God's creation? Or do you want to go sit in front of something and blow up weird-looking creatures for five hours? Again, one is set upon their mind. It's just, where's their mind at? Some people's minds on fleshly things, even though they're believers. You will not be growing spiritually. You're creeping along at a snail's pace, but unfortunately, the choices you make are stacking up on you. Bad choice, bad choice, bad choice, bad choice. And you are a carnal Christian, a fleshly Christian, and what's going to happen is eventually the amount of growth you've had compared to the amount of bad choices you're going to have are going to pile up on you and you are going to be screaming 
saying, I hate life. And everything is horrible, and I don't want to live anymore. I don't want... And, and it's not God. It's not the Bible. It's your mind. It's not on spiritual things, on heavenly things. Let's look at a couple passages of Scripture here. Turn over first, if you would, to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And there in verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ. In other words, you're a born-again believer. God's come into your life. His Holy Spirit is in you. Then seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. How high is your seeking to be? Where are your eyes to be? Right at the very throne of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Put to death fornication. Put to death uncleanness. Put to death passions. Put to death evil desires. Put to death covetousness, which is really idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God's coming upon the sons of disobedience. These are the very things God's going to judge the world to an eternal hell for. But yet he's having to tell the Christians, don't let them be a part of your life. In which you also once walked when you lived in them. Going back to Romans there, that whole thing when you were, you were the carnal people, live according to the flesh. You used to live according to the flesh. But now you must also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the Lord put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Listen to verse 10 again. And have put on the new man who is what? Renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Turn to Ephesians, if you would, chapter 2, right to the left, just a couple of pages. Ephesians chapter 2. There in verse 1 again. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead and trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And listen to verse 6. He's raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That's where God sees you right now. 
Turn to chapter 4 of Ephesians, if you would. In verse 17. Ephesians 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should know walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Believers, you are not to be living a life like a non-believer. Clear. Non-believers talk like this. You don't talk like that. Non-believers think this way. You don't think that way. Non-believers are entertained in this certain way. You are not a non-believer. You have no business being entertained in the same way a non-believer is entertained. You're not to walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. You may go home for Thanksgiving and there your sister has all the cosmopolitan magazines and she's talking about, you know, princess so-and-so and, you know, so-and-so and such a soap opera and, and, you know, this particular person is, you know, having an affair with so-and-so and this. You're to be ignorant of all those things. They should look at you going, are you on planet Earth? Are, are you an alien? Yes, I'm an alien. I'm passing through. I'm a stranger here. That's the way it's supposed to be. You're to be ignorant, it says in chapter 5 of Ephesians, concerning the things of the world. You're not to be walking like the rest of the world walks. That you should no longer walk as the rest of Gentiles walk in the futility or the emptiness of their mind. I think of all incredible things in this world to talk about, and people talk about the most asinine and stupid things. Did you see Joe on days of our lives or whatever, you know? Did you know that... Uh, and they'll go on hour after hour, and it's like, this is stupid. But you know, we found out that he really married his sister who was really from his father, and then... It's just like empty-headedness. It's like, my goodness. It is, it's, it's so idiotic. You know, it, it's like little tiny kids. You know, you ever seen a group of little second graders get together? You know, eating lunch, you know? What if a, what if a horse fell out of the sky and fell right on our table right now? Oh man, I'd, I'd jump out of the way, you know, before he got here, you know. And not me, man. I'd, I'd have a bum already ready, man. So when he fell, he'd just blow up, man. And, you know. and then little kids would go on and on like that, you know. And, and you see the people in the world, it's like, and it's just like, it's stupidity. It's empty-headedness. When I sit and watch TV for an hour, so I, I walk away going, I'm empty. It's, it's empty. I, I found out who shot so-and-so and whose car ran into so-and-so and, you know, all these trivial things that it's like, I can just wait a year, hear it next year in two minutes, and I'm done. But yet, the world just right on the cutting edge, you know. One who knows about all this foolishness we don't need that empty-headedness. But in verse 18, they have their understanding darkened. This is what happens when you live the life of the world. 
they're getting deeper and deeper into darkness, being alienated from the life of God. So now they're becoming aliens to God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardening of their hearts. So non-believers, God is alien. You know, non-Christians look at Christians going, man, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why you think what you, you think, and I understand why you would say what you'd say. I don't understand your attitude the way it is. What are you, what are you thinking that way? I love that one scene in the Corey Timboom movie there, The Hiding Place. And uh, not in the movie, it's in the book. But the dad, they've been arrested. And the dad's getting on the cart and getting ready to be taken away to a concentration camp. And he, he, first he has a Jewish star. He's not a Jew, but he's wearing a Jewish star. And they can't understand why he would do that. And he said, hey, I, I would rather suffer with God's people than enjoy the surpassing pleasures of this world. And, and everybody tried to get him to take a star off his Jewish star and he wouldn't do it. But he's getting onto the, the cart and the Nazis are treating him horribly. And he looks at the one boy and he says, you have the apple of God's eye. And he looks at this guy and the guy's just like, you're supposed to hate me right now. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking kindly to me for? What are you trying to talk words of love? You're so supposed to be hating me right now. But it's alien, it's foreign. It's like a foreign language. It's just a concept they can't grasp. But these people in verse 19 who are past filling, they've given themselves over to licentiousness, giving themselves a license. Well, it's okay for me to cheat on my income tax because it's okay for me to lie. It's okay for me to fornicate or commit adultery or to lust or to spend my time this way or my money this way. To work all uncleanliness with greediness. The bottom line, they live a self-centered life. In verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. I took the word you and I put right next to it, Brian. But Brian, you've not learned Christ. In other words, Christ's example was not that way. We did not see Christ living for himself. We did not see Christ giving himself an excuse. We did not see Christ giving himself a license. We did not see Christ entwined with the sinfulness of his life. We of, the time, of his times. We don't see that. Christ is our example. And in verse 21, if indeed you have heard from him, you've heard Jesus, you've been taught by Jesus, and the truth that is in Jesus, that you then put off concerning your former conduct that old man, which grows, underline that word, grows corrupt. You start on that path of the flesh, it grows, folks according to the deceitfulness of lust. Lust is like yeast. And whatever sin you have, it grows and grows and grows. And be renewed, therefore, in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. Or like the, the whole concept there of true holiness is uniqueness. Being unique as Christ is unique. Being like Jesus. Being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Well, turning back over to Romans 8. In verse 5 again. 
If you are a non-believer here tonight, you're living according to the flesh. That's what your mind's on. It's flesh, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's partying, it's sex, it's uh, the world, and that's what you're, you're concentrating on. But those who are truly born again here tonight, your mind is on the things of the Spirit. How can I learn the Bible? How can I spend more time in prayer? How can I hear more Bible studies? Oh, Lord, please open a door to witness to my neighbor. Oh, please, Lord, make me a better witness at work. Oh, God, that's, that's always on your mind. That's what you're thinking about. You're driving down the freeway, not going, man, you know, I wish I could just go right now over and get drunk. That's, that's not you. Maybe that used to be you. But now you're driving down the freeway and just worshiping the Lord and praying for the people next to you in the cars and just asking God to open a door to share the Lord with everybody you can. Now, it says there in verse 6, for to be carnally minded, earthly minded, is death. And that's what the non-believers experience, that separation from God. They're alienated from the life of God. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Now, again, we are in a sinful body. Now, if you think about it, an ultimate sinful body cannot think one righteous or good thought. And that's true. Did you know that left to your own self, you never would have thought of serving God? you would have gone on your sinful way. You never would have thought, am I offending the creator of this world? You never would have thought, you know, is this right that I keep hurting people? Is this right that I am so greedy and self-centered? Is this right? You just keep doing it your whole life and never really care. Everybody you hurt, everybody you step on them, everybody you, you, you don't care. But it's God's Holy Spirit in the world that's convicting every human being of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So every human being, even though they're completely sinful, doesn't run completely sinful after their own desire because the Holy Spirit's in the world and Christians are in the world. Now when the rapture of the church comes, whew, it's going to be nuts. We're going to see nothing but greediness and selfishness and self-centeredness and everybody's going to do exactly what's in their heart. There's not going to be any Holy Spirit or any Christians to refrain them. It's going to be crazy down here, folks. And so the carnal mindedness has no relationship with God, they're completely dead in their sins. Now, what about us? What about our bodies? Folks, your body is death. Paul said that in chapter 5. Who will save me from this body of death? Your body is perfectly greedy, perfectly self-centered. And so when we read things in the Bible, it's, it's so pure, it's so beautiful that our flesh can sometimes react. Love your enemies. <gasps> oh, you know, our body reacts. Going, oh, you know. Because of self. I want to see them get what's coming to them. I want to see them hurt because they hurt me. I'm not going to give up my rights. I'm going to get my rights no matter what. And it's this sinfulness, you know. Now, if we were just in our spirits and weren't in our body and we read, love your enemies or 
it would almost not even be noticeable to us because it's already a part of our nature. Love your enemy. It's not, there's no cutting edge to it. The only reason the word of God's a sharp two-edged sword because we're fleshly. And so when we read in there to not be carnally minded or where we read in the Bible that says to honor the Lord, seek first the kingdom of God, love your wives as Christ loved the church, submit to your husbands or uh, teach your kids the word of God or uh, work for your boss as unto the Lord, whether he's a good boss or a mean boss, either way, love him and serve him the same way. Our flesh is so sinful, it reacts against that. And now as believers, we have to realize that. We have to realize my flesh is constantly reacting in the world. And I, as a believer, need to understand that I daily have to put to death this flesh. I have to say, no, you're not going to dominate me. And then to have that walk in the Spirit. And so I'm walking in the Spirit and somebody cuts me off on the freeway. I don't even really notice it. I don't even think about it. I'm just going about my work. Going about doing whatever I'm doing. If I'm in the flesh, somebody cuts me off, it's all of a sudden, man, you're not going to get a car length ahead of me. That's our flesh. When you are walking in that way, you're not walking in fellowship with God at that moment. Your mind's on the things of this earth. You're thinking thoughts of this earth. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. The Bible says we're meditating on God's word day and night, never stopping. When I'm in constant communion, constant fellowship with God, there's life and there's peace. A horrible situation comes. God knows it. This is a trial. I'm to rejoice in trials. He's brought this along to hone me and to perfect me and to cause me, oh, thank you, Lord. My heart's full of joy and rejoicing. Now, that same exact situation comes along and I'm not in the Word, I'm not in prayer, I'm not fellowship with God, I'm not walking in that relationship with the Lord. All of a sudden that thing comes, I'm worried, I'm fretting, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm, uh, I'm freaking out. There's not the peace. There's not that life. You see, God's offering you a relationship with Him 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. But because we're in a perfect, sinful body, we sometimes won't see when we're drifting off. We sometimes won't see that we're sinning against God. And some believer will come up to you going, you know what, I can't believe that you were just so rude to that waitress because our food was 10 minutes late. You know, we're in God's timing. She was 10 minutes late. So what? God knows it. The people in front of us who, who got the food before us probably got food poisoning and, and angels are back there sparing us and we just had a great meal. I, I'm spiritually minded. The world looks on going, you're nuts. You've got to be aggressive. You've got to search yourself. You've got to push yourself. It's like, no way. And so the waitress comes in. I'm sorry, it's taking so long. It doesn't matter. We're in God's timing. It doesn't matter. We're in the Lord's will and he's watching over us. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every second. God has all things in control. You see? Now, when we're walking in the Spirit, God will keep giving grace. God will keep giving us more strength. God will keep giving us more ability to see more and more. And that's where we want to stay and live. That is when we're the light to the world, like a city set on a hill. Now notice here, 
he goes on to say, because the carnal mind is at war against God. For it is not subject to the law or the ways or the principles of God, nor indeed can it be. Listen to verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That earthly-mindedness that we used to always have, every one of us had, because it was our nature, because we were children of the nature of this world. We used to live in this earthly, carnal way. We were at war against God. God says, love your enemies. I'm not going to love my enemy. I'm going to hate him. I don't care what you say. I'm going to hate him. I was out in the desert. I spoke, uh, did a, we did an outreach. We took our praise band and did an outreach in the desert um, oh, a few months ago out in Brago Desert. I love going out there. And, and uh, before I was going to speak, we went into uh, the liquor store. It was the only thing opened. And, uh, and uh, I was getting some Tic Tacs or, or, or something. And the guy behind the counter, and I began to share the Lord with him. And he goes, man, I was in Vietnam. I know there's no God, you know. And I said, well, you, you saw, you know, had some bad experiences there and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you tell me a, one more word about God. I'm going to come over this, um, whatever, the counter, and I'm going to kick your butt. I'm going to beat you up. We're, you know, we're going to have a fight here. Do not tell me one more word about God. Get out. And I, uh, you can ask my wife. I didn't say much more than a couple of sentences. He was just at enmity. He was at war against God. Now, we as Christians can have very various degrees of that ourselves. You can see people in marriage counseling sometimes. Well, you need to respect your husband. It's, oh, I'm not going to respect that guy. He's a jerk. And man, you don't know what he treats me at home, you know. He may act like a good guy here at church, but let me tell you, blah, 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 blah. Hey, what are you mad at me for? I gave you one sentence out of the Bible. The Bible says, respect your husbands as all things... Oh, that's it. I'm out of here. I don't, I'm not going to go to this church. You're condemning me and you're putting me in this body. You're telling me I've got to... You're saying the only way I can be right with God if I have to... There's, there's a war going on. All I did is quote them a scripture in a casual way. Now, that war is because they're being earthly minded. Now, if you go to the psychologist, you go to the psychiatrist, you go to the tabloids, and they say, if your husband treats you like this, and he did, you know, hey, you let him know he's a bum, and you're not going to take this, you know, we're equal, and we're going to, you know, that's the world. That's the way they think it's right. And if you sit and watch TV hour after hour, you go to the movies, and you sit and talk to your friends, and you read all the magazines, and now you have this problem, what are you, what's your thoughts going to be? Your, mind, your, your mind's going to be earthly thinking. And you're going to go to the Bible and you're going to read it and you're going to immediately be at war at, with the Bible because it's contrary. It's completely opposite of the earthly thinking of this world. The world says if somebody slaps you, what do you do? Man, you, you get back in their face. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Jesus, the, the rule of the day was is if a Roman soldier came and said, you carry my armor, you had to carry it for him for a mile. Jesus says, carry it too. So the soldier says, well, your mile's up. No, hey, I'm doing fine. Let's go. Where, where are you going? I'll keep carrying it for you. Well, you're free. I'll get somebody else. No, hey, I'd like to keep carrying it for you. 
Where do you want to go? You see, it's totally opposite. The world looks on it and is, is just saying this is impossible. But we know that the Bible is giving us the very nature of God and you are created in that nature and we need to be renewed in the knowledge of the image of God. And that's where we need to live. So you can just go right down the list. The Lord says to work for your boss as you were working unto God. Peter adds later on, if your boss is good, great. If your boss is the biggest jerk in the world, treat him as if he were the best boss in the world. Work for him the same exact way. Man, that just goes against us, doesn't it? And so again, we have to come back to realize what does the Bible say and renew our mind in that. So often I'll have a concept so clearly down and I'm just so full of joy and I'm living it for a day or two and then I totally forget it. And then three weeks later, I'm back in bondage and I'm going, what? You know, what's going on? And then, and oh man, that, con that thing has so set me free. So the Word of God, walking in the Spirit, is life. It's peace. Carrying that extra two miles, the Roman soldier, oh, I'm alive. I'm at peace. I have joy in my... Why? Because I'm not being overcome by evil. I'm overcoming evil with good. I'm taking the principles of God. The husband's treating you like a jerk and you respect him and honor him as if you were honoring God. That's what the Bible says. Your wife is treating you horribly, but you're loving her just the way Jesus Christ loves you and loves all the church. And you keep on doing it through all kinds of adversity. That is the Christian life. And God will give you that grace. He'll give you that power. If you are not living in that way, you are not pleasing God. And you will never be pleasing God. There's people that go to church every Sunday, but they take all the principles of God and they don't follow Him. Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in their time, whether it's in their finances, whether it's in the imaginations of their heart, they are not honoring the Lord. Jesus wasn't kidding around when He said, don't lust in your mind. But we can say, everybody does it. No big deal. You can't really control it. It's the way it, No, you can. The Bible says we can be spiritually minded and have life and peace. Well, everybody sort of cheats on their income tax. Jesus said, give unto Caesar what's Caesar's. Jesus did not cheat on his income tax. He did not do it. And you just see the whole concept that God pushes us as believers that way. You know, I often think in my mind, the Lord comes down in advance and impregnates Mary, our, the mother of Jesus. And there they're, they, they're living in Nazareth. Now, Jesus, or the, the Holy Spirit of that angel could have easily have told her, okay, Mary, Bethlehem's going to be so packed out. Nobody knows it yet, Okay go ahead and move there a year in advance to Bethlehem. And go on down there, and you're going to hear there's going to be, Caesar Augustus is going to make this thing, to, everybody's going to have to go back, and you already have a house, you'll be set up, everything's going to be cool. But it doesn't happen. She's nine months pregnant on the back of a donkey for 90 miles. They finally get there. Now, they could have said, look, 
I'm forget that Roman government. I'm not going to take my pregnant wife. She's ready to have this baby any day. I am not going to take her 90 miles. I'll go to jail before I obey the Roman government. Or Mary could have said, hey, forget them. This is ridiculous. They're, they're oppressing me. I, I'm not going to take it. Would the world have agreed with those attitudes? They most certainly would have. But wasn't it necessary for our Lord to be born in Bethlehem? Wasn't it necessary? How did God do it? He put into the heart an oppressive man to make an oppressive law to get Jesus over to Bethlehem in time. That's the way God worked. It challenged all the believers to obey. It challenged all the believers to submit. It challenged all the believers. And they all got to where they needed to be, when they needed to be there, on the time they needed to be there. It all happened just the way God wanted it. God wanted them there late. God wanted them there where there was no place to stay. God wanted his son to be born in a manger where there was a bunch of animals. Why is that, Brian? I have no idea. <laughs> but Joseph wasn't lame. Well, jo Joseph, you know, just poor planning on Joseph's part. We've got to realize the mind of God. How is God thinking? What is God doing? And it is so contrary to the world. And if you are not renewing yourself daily, not, I'm going to have my morning devotions. Forget that. Love Jesus. Get up and love him in the word. Love him in prayer. Well, I'm going to have my morning devotions. I first start my morning devotions with a little bit of gratitude unto God. So two minutes of gratitude unto God. Lord, thank you. No. I hate that. And then we'll get together in the middle of the week and we'll have accountability time. And we'll get together and tell each other the things we've been struggling with and lay hands and pray for each other. I hate that. Let's love Jesus, man. Let's make him our life. Let's stay up in our, in our bed just praying and worshiping and calling out to God and we fall asleep and we wake up in the morning and we're just calling and worshiping him and, oh Lord, this is the day you have made. I want to rejoice. I want to be glad in it. I want to live for you. You may be coming back today. Lord, help me get a few more pieces of treasure stored up in heaven before today's over. I don't want to wait enough. And to live that life for Christ. Folks, it's craziness to the world. Paul says, we're fools for Christ. He says, the world look on and he says, it's foolish. And Paul says, I'm well pleased to preach the foolish message. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. It's too religious. It's too extreme. It's too goody-two-shoes. Too holier than thou. It's too charismatic. It's too dedicated. It's too fanatical for the, what who cares i don't care about anybody or anything what does the bible say that's what we're going to do the bible says we're going to constantly in our heart be singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs are you the bible says we're to love everybody and forgive everybody as christ says are you the bible says you're to honor the lord the first of everything the first of your day the first of your week the first of your finances your first child Everything is to be God's. When you go to work, you're to work unto the Lord. 
that everywhere, everybody's interest is to be before your own interest. You see, everybody is better than yourself. These are crazy concepts, but we need to take the Bible literally. And if you're not, you're earthly-minded, and it'll be impossible to please God, no matter how many times you go to church, no matter how many verses you've memorized. It won't matter if you're not walking in just that love relationship with Christ. My Heavenly Father is coming and putting his arm around me, saying, Brian, I know they hurt you, but I want you to love them. My Father has taken me, put his, his hands in my, on my face, and he just sort of held my head still when I was upset and said, Brian, listen to me. Let's just pray for them right now. And you get an opportunity, bless them, do good to them. You see, that it's that. It's not the lawgiver giving the law. You're going to be a Christian. Here's the way it's going to be. You're going to love your enemy, or we're going to kick your butt. You know. You're going to get on your knees, and you're going to worship God. You know, it can't be that way. Because if you're not worshiping God in your heart, God doesn't want it. Even if he could break your legs and get you on your knees. It's not worship, you see. Worship is when it's in your heart, just loving the Lord. It's not some physical act, although the physical act definitely follows. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight.